Hi, I'm Jamin, and you're listening to the Happy Market Research Podcast. This is a special edition of the Happy Market Research Podcast, aiming to help companies cope during this tumultuous time. My guest today is Henrik Matson, CEO of Lookback. Founded in 2013, Lookback is a video capture and sharing application used by user experience professionals to conduct both moderated and unmoderated user research projects that is used by over 1,600 companies globally. Prior to joining Lookback, Henrik was the co-founder of Authentic Partners, an entrepreneurial advisory board. Henrik, thank you so much for joining me on the Happy Market Research Podcast today. Thanks for having me, Jamin. This episode is brought to you by SurveyMonkey. Today, almost everyone has taken a survey, but did you know that SurveyMonkey offers complete solutions for market researchers? In addition to flexible surveys, their global audience panel and research services, SurveyMonkey has launched a fast and easy way to collect market feedback. They have seven new expert solutions for concept and creative testing. With built-in customized methodologies, AI-powered insights, and industry benchmarking, you can get feedback on your ideas from your target market in a presentation-ready format. And by the way, in as little as an hour. For more information on SurveyMonkey's market research solutions, visit surveymonkey.com slash market dash research. That's surveymonkey.com slash market dash research. Mention the Happy Market Research podcast to the SurveyMonkey sales team before June 30th for a discount off your first project. Let's start out with a personal note. How are you and your family during this time of COVID-19? Uh, yeah, we're, uh, we're doing fine, thank you. Uh, they closed the schools here in Montreal, where I'm based. So the kids are very excited about that right now, but I'm sure as, the, as time goes on here, we're going to have to come up with some things to do to keep them busy. Yeah, there's there's a whole like parenting thing here happening. So I have a 15, a 12, 15 and, and 18 year old, all of which are in school. Now their schools are postponed. Right now it's one week, but potentially it could be through the balance of the year. It's interesting to me because like they're home right now alone, which I don't like very much. And I'm, I haven't figured out like what the trigger is going to be for us to be able to kind of like, okay, now you're going to come in with dad to work or there's going to be jobs for you or, or whatever is going to happen. I, I don't know. Do you have any like parenting tips? <laughs> Not yet. I think that's for a later episode. Just roll with it and try to be helpful. I think it's in times like this, you have to just calm down, be helpful and roll with it. You know, so that's what I plan to do. We'll see how it goes. Perfect. All right. Well, I'll certainly apply that advice for this week. <laughs> we'll see what next week looks like. I feel like they're going to be professional Snapchatters by the end of the week. But anyway, so Lookback is entirely remote. You've got employees literally around the globe. I don't think you have a, a centralized office where people gather every day. Tell us a little bit about some of the biggest issues that employees face when joining or participating in a work from home or remote work environment. Sure. Yeah, so I think there's probably four main things. I know there's supposed to be three things always, but I think there's four at least. Uh, number one is that social gets filtered out very easily in remote work. And what I mean by that is that if you go into an office, you're always going to have those in-between spaces where you just catch up with your colleagues or talk about the game or something like that, right? In remote, you will just jump from browser to browser, from meeting to meeting. 
and it's very easy to filter out social. So that can be quite challenging for people. Uh, number two is that you can't bump into things, unexpected things, as easily. So in, in, if you co-work together in, in, in an office, you will bump into the unexpected. Now, that's not necessarily going to happen by itself if you go remote. So you need to make space for that. Third, the measures that you put in place to make space for that can create overwhelming situations. So you will end up bumping into everything. So you're kind of, you got to find that balance, right? Uh, either your organization hasn't set this up very well and you won't bump into anything unexpected or they've failed the other way around and you're going to bump into everything and, and just start muting everything because it's too much to handle. And the fourth one that I would bring up is that it's it can be hard to collaborate without the whiteboard. If you're used to that, uh, you need to find other tools. Luckily, there are a lot of other tools to deal with it, but you have to find them and you have to set them up and so on. So, Yeah, it was Steve Jobs when, I don't know if you read the book, Creativity Inc. Yeah, not yet. Okay, great. it's a great book. It, uh, it was a story of Pixar and Steve Jobs' like injection into that and subsequent, you know, success of that company. Of course, Pixar brought us, for me, you know, all my children's kind of go-to movies way back with Finding Nemo to whatever's being released nowadays. So in the office design that he created, it was specifically, and it's funny, it, he made the bathrooms and kitchen areas difficult to get to or, or none, not convenient. And his reasoning was, and I, I liked how you framed it, it created opportunities for people to connect that otherwise would not not connect. So what are some solutions wrapped up in these like, you know, four issues? Right. So I think if we if we take them in turn, then the social part getting filtered out, I think that has to be addressed on multiple levels, because especially if you're going to do this in the long term, this will really drain you and it will be hard to onboard as a new employee with people that you've never met and you don't really know them, right? So uh, number one is every employee has to do their part, you know, make space for the social in your meetings, perhaps hang, hang out a little bit after a meeting instead of jumping straight into the other one. Plan some one-on-ones with your colleagues. And also the, the leadership of the company has to make sure that there's proper investment into these things so that you have, you know, uh, I've seen some people now do a five to seven or whatever you call it in the US, right? But one of those like after work things where you just go for drinks together, you can do that over webcam too, right? And, you know, see each other, have retreats, uh, meet up every now and then. At look back, we do this three times per year. That's been tremendously valuable. So that's on the social part, on the, you know, the bumping into things, either too much or too little. I think there are two things you need to do there. I always say transparency by default. So a lot of companies now were a bit worried about what the information to share with whom. I think in a, in a remote organization, you need to be transparent by default because people can't bump into you, but they can bump into information. So just put everything out there. Obviously, there might be some HR issues or something like that that you can't share widely, but really push yourself there and try to be as transparent as, po- as possible. At the same time, you need to be disciplined and use the right channel or tool for the right thing. So if you have, for example, Slack as your main communication tool, as we do, understand that that's just like the office space. That's just people, you know, calling for each other, uh, you know, through doors or, or across the room or something like that. It's not where things live forever. 
And if you just start shouting everywhere, it's going to be quite quite hard to do this. So, so stay disciplined on that. And then finally, on the last one with the collaboration piece, that's a tool issue, I would say. You know, you can use tools to make sure that you have a whiteboard, a virtual whiteboard, or, you know, all those design tools or code reviews or whatever it is. Make sure that you have that set up properly. Don't underinvest in tools. So you spent a, a fair amount of time in your early career in management consulting. Probably, you know, the I liken this, the, the whiteboard in management consulting to the six shooter is in a Western movie, right? right? I mean, it, it is the tool that you use to create your battle strategy. And then, you know, my, some people even use it like on a weekly basis to like cross things out in their to-dos or what have you. It's, it, is, it is really powerful. What are some tools that you would recommend people use in order to address some of the, the, the well, to address the four big issues that you've, you've outlined? Right. So if we start the other way around now with the whiteboarding, I'd say that for me, it's uh, the tool called Whimsical has been a game changer, actually. I'm very impressed with this tool. It's very simple to use. You can make flow charts. You can make mind maps. You know, and I use it for myself just to, a lot of my work is just breaking problems into their component parts, right? So you can make all of these flow charts and issue trees and, and what have you. Uh, and it's also collaborative, so you can just share this and you can work together in it. And uh, so that's very powerful for making sure that you get your team aligned on what are we actually talking about? Are we over here in the issue three or are we over here, right? So yeah, whimsical, very good. Then in terms of the day-to-day -day communication and keeping that disciplined, we use three tools. So we use Slack for just a everyday chatter where you just communicate with people. And we have a lot of different channels. Most of them are open and transparent. And you can join if you want to, but you don't have to. And, uh, you know, so we have a code channel where the developers discuss code. We have a, uh, you know, customer success channel where support can reach out to different aspects of the organization to deal with issues and so on and so forth. And then we have for more wiki-like things and things like, notes from meetings and also agendas. Agendas obviously always an important thing, but perhaps even more important than remote. We keep all of that in a tool called Notion. A really good uh, tool. It's kind of hard to explain in voice, but once you start using it, you'll see it's just a, a living document. Anyone can just change anything. Uh, you can keep all your kind of things that need to be accessible async uh, in there. Slack won't be good for that, and it's not built for that either. Uh, things will just disappear into yesterday and so on and so forth. But with Notion, you can keep all your things there. And then finally, we use a tool called Clubhouse that we use for project work. So when we implement uh, code projects or something like that, we track that. On stories that have different states, and I'd, I'd say you go a pretty long way on that as a company. I, I guess Airtable also deserves a mention here, which is where we collect data in tables to discuss, for example, our long list, which is all of our feature requests and product ideas and stuff like that. Basically, what all of these have in common is that they are purpose-built for a very specific purpose, and they're very good at that thing, and they are good for collaboration and notifications and async work. So you'd get a long way on those, I'd say. This is, so there's a lot of different tools. How do you keep track of those tools as a practitioner, as a, as a user? Right. So there's a lot of um, trial and error over time. I think the only of these that persisted throughout the lifetime of Lookback uh, is Slack. 
that's the only one we haven't changed. But the other ones we've changed. So you have you can't be afraid of innovating here. As soon as you know this is your office now. This you know these are this is your infrastructure. And if you're having issues or if you can't get people on board with it or if it's not working well, you can't be afraid of trying a new tool and and shift things. We've been successful with that. Once you have that, though, you have to police. Uh, you have to have very clear processes of how this should be used, and you shouldn't be afraid to help new employees out in terms of, you know, this thing doesn't go here, this thing goes somewhere else. So it's a culture thing, but it's it's really just understanding that this is your new backbone now, and I think that might be challenging for companies that come, uh, you know, that either don't go full in remote or where one part of the company is more of a non-remote culture. Uh, and they don't understand they, that these are not. This is not your key infrastructure. That can be challenging. But for us, we've always been remote only, uh, and that's been really helpful. So, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question, but the, those are some of the important things to think about. So, uh, prior to joining Lookback, you were not a remote only culture, right? You were. You've been in more of a traditional sort of on-site or HQ-based companies is that correct yes so i've been yeah i've been on site also in, in management consulting you parachute into teams and you go to their offices right, right. uh i did spend right. two years actually commuting between montreal and stockholm and working for a big company based in stockholm where all the company was basically non-remote and we had a few people like myself who would work remotely and that didn't work at all i can i can say that yeah yeah, the the hybrid sort of because well okay so that's one that, actually let's explore that issue and then I'm going to get to actually my my intended question you know one of the one of the dysfunctions I have personally experienced is my last company I didn't have a remote culture we had offices and then as we started scaling our sales force we realized that we had to have employees that were based out of you know regional areas that we just frankly couldn't support an office around didn't need to support an office around it wasn't like there was any operational headcount or any more than one person that was going to be in that area. So probably the first year I failed miserably at bringing those people on and retaining any level of employee engagement. And the reason why is, you know, they were and using your words, which I, I really, really like, um, you know, there was no opportunity for them to bump into, there was no in-between spaces. So, you know, it was meeting and then gone. And there was just a massive amount of cultural void that that person was, you know, plummeted into. And probably the biggest realization of that for me was, you know, at the company Christmas party, because, you know, they would come to the Christmas party, but they're, you know, they're more, more like the person in the corner on their phone, as opposed to like connected with the humans. And it's just such a big, a big issue there. When you think about companies that are rolling out right now, this new infrastructure of like, okay, you're going to be remote for the next month and maybe longer, which is basically every big company. You know, what would your counsel be, put on your management consulting hat here, what would your counsel be to the management team about things that they should be paying attention to? The key is to avoid, I guess the expression is second class citizens. You say that in the US, right? People that are... Absolutely, yeah, right. Yep. So that's what happens with, with people where you have some people who are perhaps uh, meeting in, uh, in real life in an office day to day. And then you have some people that are outside of that. And uh, that creates these second-class citizens that won't engage and that won't have the same information and opportunity to collaborate. And that's not a good situation for anyone. It's not good for the company because you're just wasting these resources. And it's not good for these employees because they're not going to have fun and they're not going to have success and they're going to move on, right? So even if it's only temporary, I would say 
go all in on this and understand that either you are remote or you are not. And now we are in a remote situation. And I don't care if, if you and your friend and someone else took a lunch meeting. Uh, you need to document that in the remote tools so that that doesn't become privileged information. I mean, if people need that information for their collaboration. So it's it's for everyone to step up and and be remote and realize that even if, you know, my situation may not be as remote as my colleague's situation, but we're all equally remote and we need to go all in on that. It can't be an issue of, you know, it works for me, so I'm just going to do it this way. It has to be all in. So that would be my number one, number one advice for sure. I love that. And, you know, you think about the training that's happened to us as a society using social media. So things as silly as like taking a picture of a meal, posting it on Insta. And then, of course, Twitter, which is my sort of I love Twitter. I'm very native in that in that environment more than any other platform. But it's a great way to be able to just like communicate thoughts and feelings and and activities uh, that are happening. So it's really about in a lot of ways, just about taking that discipline that you would normally do you know, on a personal level, and then just applying that to your eight to five. So my real question was, you know, moving into a remote only culture, what what actually surprised you about that transition? Yeah, that's that's a really good question. Um, I think the fact that it's harder, I, I don't want to scare people now, but it's harder than you think that I expected it to be, you know, I thought this would be a, a small adjustment. But What's happening really is that we're creating completely new forms of work and interaction. And uh, even now, I learn, you know, we're at what, year four, year five of this now for me. And I'm still learning new things. And I have to course correct on how we build a remote culture. And this is really uncharted territory uh, for most companies. We haven't been doing this for a long time, especially not. Uh, on a company-wide basis, you know, there's always been people working from home, but but that's not the same as being a remote company completely. So, I think just expect to be surprised is 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 the lesson learned here, and and roll with it, and and it's just like anything. Don't be afraid to keep innovating. It's never done, and uh, you know, keep your ears to the to the ground and and try to stay ahead of the curve. My guest today is. Henrik Madsen, CEO of Lookback. Thank you, Henrik, so much for joining me on the Happy Market Research Podcast today. Thank you so much, Damon. Always a pleasure. Everyone else, I hope safety for you and your family. I hope this is an opportunity for thriving. I know there's a lot of economic uncertainty right now, and that will continue. Having lived through two other bubbles, first in 2001 and then later 2008 and 9, I can tell you that it will end and everything will be okay. I know it's a platitude, but it is the truth. I hope you have a wonderful, safe rest of your day.